This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back right now. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand, fellas. You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brunin, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 930 Eastern time. The only time zone that's immunized. That means it's t- time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusToCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a vaccinated version of tonight's show, who are we looking to roster in 2022, and what is Odell Beckham Jr.'s value? But we start with the initial college football playoff rankings, and I'm going to be transparent with the audience here. Um, I don't think this is good content. I don't. We uh, had a discussion about what we would talk about today, and uh, after that discussion, I went and talked with my family, I talked with my lawyer, and uh, I prayed about it. prayed about it, and I uh, prayed to Joe Brady, actually, and uh, I uh, I think I'm going to protest this conversation, and I'm going to sit it out, I'm going to take a knee, um, but audience, you can let us know what you think. I'm protesting this conversation, Austin and Matt Bruning. I hand it over to you. Good riddance, as far as I'm concerned. I think he can still hear us. Doesn't matter. Good riddance. It's all right. Matt, why don't you why don't you yep. lead it off here? Because I know you're you feel very passionately about a, a certain little OG five school. I mean, passionate. I feel like it's a little bit of an overstatement. I just. I don't really like what they did. And I get, so going to, you posted a Twitter poll about it. We talked a little bit about, you know, what the wins mean. And I, and I do agree with what you posted saying that they're supposed to put the best four schools in there. And can we on, is Oregon really one of the four best schools in college football? Just yes or no. 
Probably not. But it's the not thing even that I think not. the thing they're that not. I think separates them from Cincy is that I think their big win is much better. is significantly better than a win over Notre so, Dame. I agree with that. But then the question that I asked you, because again, just basing it on the wins, which I agree, it's not all about that. Why is their win over Notre Dame not better than Ohio State's over Penn State? I think that's fair. And I think they're inconsistent with their application of eye test versus resume. But I think resume is also a a fairly difficult thing to quantify. Like I agree. So my, my issue with it, and it's something I posted in there is if Notre Dame had won that game, they'd be undefeated. I guarantee you they'd be top four. They probably would be three or four right now. So the fact that Cincinnati beat them and that's their only loss, I think, should matter. Now, I agree with you. Notre Dame is not really a great team. They're not. My thing with Cincinnati is, are they an overall great team? No. They're a very good defensive team. Their offense struggles. So does Georgia's. Now, granted, their defense is better than Cincinnati's, and their offense is probably a little bit better than Cincinnati. Alabama, offense is good. Defense is good. Neither one great. You could argue the same thing with Oregon. I think their defense is probably a step up from Alabama's. Ohio State probably has the best offense. Their defense is is horrible. I'm sorry. It just is. There's there's flaws with all of these teams. If you go back and look at who they put in the playoffs, I'm sorry. They're better than almost all of the Notre Dame teams that have made it into the playoffs over the past couple years. Now, they're not better than the Florida State, Oklahoma, or, uh, Oregon, Ohio State that made it in that first year, right? They're better than the Michigan State team that made it in 2015-2016. They're better than the Washington team that made it in 2016. They're better than the Notre Dame team, Notre Dame team that made it in the past couple years. We're discounting them because they're a G5 team, and I just don't think that part of it is fair. Now, I still think they have a shot to make it in because there's a lot that could go wrong ahead of them. I don't necessarily think that Alabama is going to beat Georgia. So if Alabama loses again, there's a couple people talking today um, I just Ray Garvin and Jordan Richards on their morning show saying they think if Alabama loses in a close game, they'll still get in. I do not think they'll put Alabama in if they have two losses. The biggest thing I think that could hurt Cincinnati is Oklahoma. I know they have them at eight, but if they went out, I think they get in. There's no way you're keeping Oklahoma out, especially with the games they have coming down the stretch in Oklahoma State. Uh, there's another really big game they have and if they win the Big 12. So then it comes down to what happens between Ohio State and Oregon. They're so I, I think Oregon likely loses at some point because I don't think Oregon's a very good school. But my other thing with Oregon and, and you having them at four, and I, I honestly think Cincinnati should have been in the top four because of this. Granted, I know they lost Kayvon Thibodeau, and I know they didn't have Moorhead because he had like a family situation or something. They lost to Stanford. Stanford is not better than even some of the teams that Cincinnati has beaten this year, and they lost to them. I understand it was overtime and close losses matter and all that crap. But Cincinnati did what they were supposed to, right? They scheduled good games. They they scheduled an Indiana team that was supposed to be good. They scheduled a Notre Dame team that is, I would say, at least top 15 in the country. They may not be top 10. I, I don't know. I honestly don't remember who the rest of the top 10 are. But they did their job. It is not their fault that Indiana, because Michael Penix got hurt and has just completely fallen apart this year. They went in and they beat Notre Dame like they were supposed to. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, you know what? Now it's just not good enough anymore. It's not good. Notre Dame's not a good enough win anymore. When any other year it would be. That's that's the part that frustrates me. I, I honestly don't care if they get in. I think they deserve to be in if they go undefeated. There's still a lot of season left. They haven't looked great. 
in some games, right? I mean, they didn't look great against Navy, but also I think we brought this up on um, the tailgate. Michigan lost a couple years ago to um, an academy team. Those academy teams are not always easy to beat. Ohio State struggled with Navy. I think it was three or four years ago. Like those teams are not always easy to beat because you can't really run those option offenses. So it's hard to plan for that. So I'm not going to hold that against them that they couldn't do it. If you want to hold it against them that their offense isn't that good with Desmond Ritter, I'll listen to the conversation. But putting them behind some of those teams, I just don't believe in. So I think the Cincinnati's, I can't, I don't want to talk anymore. Hi, dad. Um, The thing that I think I'm protesting this conversation. Is that your not paying attention? The the thing that I think is what bothers me the most about Cincinnati. And I actually don't think they're the team that got, that has the most, you know, quote unquote, disrespectful ranking. I think Oklahoma's is actually more disrespectful. But well, I, I think in some years, like if Cincinnati had a bunch, of, if 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 their conference this year was its normal, you know, a couple of teams hovering around twenty to twenty five, we would say they don't have the big win. And then this year they're going to get that big win, and we're going to say, well, they didn't beat anybody else. I think that's the problem that I have. Like the only other chance they have to do anything this year, they play SMU on November 20th. So I do think if they win that game and, and one team falters in front of them, I think that they're probably sitting pretty at that point. Cause that'll be two uh, top 25 wins. But I think that's the issue I have with them. Oklahoma again. I mean, I think that they're not the eighth best team in the country. I mean, they're not the, like they're better than that. I, that phrasing on that was awkward. Um, if you were, I know you're not like a, a bookmaker, or line maker, or anything. If it was Cincinnati versus Oklahoma, what would you put the line at right now? Neutral field to no home advantage. I think Oklahoma would be favored by less I than agree. three, maybe like a two and a half or something like that. As I think would, I would be roughly the line. So that's why I feel like Cincinnati is be- – the reason I think they put Oklahoma there, and I didn't really watch a whole lot of the show, but I heard him talk. a lot of it was due to how bad Spencer Rattler was at the beginning of the year. They really – I mean, they almost lost to Tulane, which, mm-hmm. again, Cincinnati beat better – beat Tulane better than what Oklahoma did. And I get some of that was because of Spencer Rattler being in there. And, again, I, I honestly think they put Oklahoma there at eight, and I agree that it, that is a little bit disrespectful – but they're one of those teams that controls their own destiny. If they went out, they're in. There's no way oh, yeah. they're not making it because they're going to be undefeated. They're going to beat a bunch of good teams on the way, and they're going to be Big 12 undefeated champions, which seems likely with Caleb Williams. That that team looks completely different since Caleb Williams has taken over. So I I get what you mean on that part, but like realistically, not putting Cincinnati in the top four, I think almost limits their ceiling now. Like there's almost they have to have everything else crumble in front of them for them to make it in, where if they were at least three or four, they had a chance to somewhat control their own destiny. That's where I feel like it's disrespectful because it's like every we've asked them to do everything that they've done, and then, oh, well, now it's not good enough. Now you needed to go do this. That's just not fair to them. I understand you're not supposed to look at what they did last year, but they didn't lose many pieces from last year. They stayed with Georgia in that bowl game. They had a very good team last year, and they've just come back this year and proved they're even better, in my opinion, on defense. And again, the offense is not great. And if they were on a neutral field with Bama or Georgia, I don't think that they would win the game. But I also don't think it'd be a blowout like we've seen Alabama and Georgia take Notre Dame to the woodshed the past couple times that they've been out there. I think that they would be able to be somewhat decent in those games. Maybe they lose by 10 points. Maybe. But I, I don't think that they get blown out. 
I have one last question for you because I know Felix is is itching to get back in. Uh, I think we should just kick us. him out of here. We can just do the show ourselves. We don't this is so that. riveting. It's so riveting. This is so riveting. U- um, UTSA, yeah. one of the last remaining, what are there, six undefeated teams left or something like that in uh, FBS? UTSA, one of them not ranked at all in, in this this system, which has caused uh, a ton of uproar. I think it's correct. I don't think they're one of the top 20. I mean, I know that the wins have to count for something, but like welcome to the club where you have to string together a couple of years before teams are going to take you seriously. I mean, ask Boise, ask UCF, ask Cincinnati now, uh, TCU back when they were still a, a G5 uh, squad, how you have to do that. I mean, the, it, look, their schedule is embarrassing. Their strength of schedule yeah. is like 110th or something like that. And people want to use this new strength of record match, um, um, uh, metric. The strength of record it, it has been used in NCAA basketball for a long for a while. It doesn't work for football, guys, because there's only 12 games in a season. It doesn't translate like it does for college basketball, where these, these teams are playing 30, 40 games a year. So get the fuck out of here with your strength of record. It, it, it's, a, it's not a reliable metric, and you strength the schedule. And, I mean, I, the answer is right in front of you if you do that. No, yeah, I agree. I think they will get to top 25 if um, if they continue to go undefeated. Because, oh, man, I don't know what just happened. Uh, but, I mean, what's what's realistically their best win? Is it Illinois, who they beat by seven points? Like, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't uh, I, I don't think that they should be top 25 right now. But if they do finish out the season undefeated, I, I would almost bet they make it into the top 25. They're going to go to a decent bowl game. So, but I don't think any of those guys who are talking about them need to be top 10 or whatever because they're undefeated. Yeah, I'm with that. The schedule is bad. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. All right, Felix. All right, uh, you all did terribly. That was awful. Please Thank let you. us know at David Deplete. Let us know at David Debate on Twitter that I was right, that that conversation was not – we should not have included it on today's show. Let's move on to something that actually is interesting, at least in my opinion, and that is the status of uh, Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who has not officially been cut yet, but it seems that we are going towards that direction. Either that or they're going to freeze him for the rest of the season, Uh, but it seems like Kevin Stefanski has, uh, has noted to his team that OBJ is no longer a part of the team. Guys, I still think that he is a really talented player. It just didn't work in uh, in in Cleveland. This could be Odell Beckham's what the Raiders were to Randy Moss, and I still think that there's a lot of value there. Is Odell Beckham Jr. a trade target in dynasty leagues, Austin Ace? All right, coming to me first and not the Cleveland guru. Um, well, Matt's got his mic off and he's typing down there. I don't know. He's not even paying attention because he's got I'm all this college attention. football playoff stuff out of his system. And I guess he's just done with the show now. No, I was trying to look up something to, so that I can reference here about OBJ when it gets to me. So please go first, Austin. You're good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. The problem with players like Odell when they get to this point in their career is that I think if you have him, you're so hesitant to sell him for virtually nothing. And if you're buying him, you don't want to spend – you don't even want to spend market price because I think at that point you feel like you're not 
the chances of you recouping value on that are relatively low. I don't know what market price is on him. I, I don't really use a lot of like the trade calculators or anything out there. Um, I, I don't particularly subscribe to the the cult of keep trade or uh, yeah keep trade cut or whatever. Um, I, I don't use any of those things, so I, I don't know exactly what his value is. But Browns fans seem to have certainly turned on Stefanski this year for whatever reason. You know, I think the the play calling and things like that have been far from perfect. But I mean, I've, I've watched a couple Browns games this year, and certainly I watched this this past week against the Steelers because I am a Steelers fan, and like they didn't lose because of you know, Baker or Stefanski or anything like that. I mean, they're, that team is like just in the hospital ward, man. I mean, on both sides of the ball, they've got all these dudes out or, you know, hurting. So I have a hard time putting any blame on, 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 on Stefanski first off. I just don't think he clicks with Baker for whatever reason. I don't, I don't, I, Baker doesn't stay on reads long enough, in my opinion. It's really, really weird because he's such kind of a, I don't want to call him a gunslinger because I don't think he has the tools for that necessarily, but like he kind of just wants to chuck it around. So it's so bizarre to me that he won't stay on reads long enough. Like if you confuse him and Justin Fields' timing into one player, that'd be the perfect player because Justin Fields hangs on to stuff for way too long. But so I, I don't know if he's a buy. I don't know. Matt, are you buying him? I am because I think once he leaves Cleveland, he's going to be good. And I really believe that. Now, I, I will fully admit, I have loved Odell since before he came into the NFL as a rookie. I, I've been all in him. I was ecstatic. I remember the day, I want to say it was Jared who texted me. What, someone texted me, and I'm almost positive it was Jared Wackerly, texted me when he, he knew somebody or, or like his cousin works in like the Browns front office, and he told me there's a chance we were going to be trading for Odell. I remember my dad was here. I was so fucking excited because I love Odell as a player. And I thought, this is it. Finally, we had a GM and John Dorsey. We were going to go all in. It was finally our time. And I agree with you on this year. Like, the team is beat up. It, it, it's bad. The defense is still struggling. Joe Woods, I just don't think he's a very good defensive coordinator. And Stefanski, I think, is the issue with Beckham. I do not think he's the issue with the team. He's always been a run-heavy coach. Uh, Emmanuel Acho talked about this yesterday. I saw him tweet it out, and that's what I was looking for when Felix just like had to call me out here on the show. Before he took over play calling for the Vikings, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs were getting targeted in like a, a ridiculous amount, right? Like those before Stephon Diggs wanted to get traded. Both those guys were top twelve because I kept comparing Baker to Kirk Cousins in that year. I was like. Baker's going to have that type of season, right? He's he's going to be – what's going on, Kevin? Baker's going to be able to turn that around, and he's going to be exactly like what Kirk Cousins was back in that, that year that, that he was there. Then when Stefanski took over play calling, Stefan Diggs saw a 38% loss in targets, and Adam Thielen saw 58 loss percent in targets. The thing everybody seems to forget about, when Odell came to Cleveland that first year – Horrible play calling, by the way, with Freddie Kitchens, who literally told him and Jarvis Landry to just run deep every single play. Odell finished with a, over 1,000 yards, and I believe it was three or five touchdowns that season with Cleveland. Since Stefanski took over, he's seen his targets dip 32%. On top of the dip in targets, you are exactly right on Baker. I do think he is a little bit of a gunslinger, but it's not a he's not going to challenge on every throw, he throws to the guy that's open. And the problem with that is I think Odell is likely his first read on every single play. And they have Odell running these deep routes a lot of times. And Jarvis is just open. 
Jarvis is so good at creating separation so quickly and so quickly off the line that he's hitting Jarvis Landry or he's throwing it to his tight ends, and that just eliminates Odell from most plays. And granted, a lot of people are going to focus on the drops. Odell's had a lot of big drops this year. Uh, He's hit him when he was open. He's just dropped the ball. I just think Odell doesn't want to be there. I think that's what's affecting him mentally, why he is not playing well. I hope they don't do what Felix said because there's a lot of rumors in the Cleveland Browns community about that right now that they're just going to do exactly what the Texans are doing with Watson. It's like we have to eat the $8 million anyway, so we're just going to make him a healthy and active every single week. Don't be petty. Just let him go. It, there's already enough bad stuff going on in this locker room with all this stuff. You know he's got a bunch of friends in that locker room. I, I disagree. Let me jump way. in here. I disagree yeah. with you there because Odell Beckham Jr. is absolutely – if you put him on waivers, he could absolutely um, kill you come you know later down in the season. And the Browns consider themselves to be a playoff team. So strategically, if they're going to eat that $8 million, they could just – eat that 8 million. I don't, I think that that's actually smart. If the organization is just going to hold on to him and freeze him out, like the Texans are doing Deshaun Watson. I mean, he could end up and he could end up with freaking Kansas city. He could end up in Tampa Bay. He could end up with any, any of these playoff teams that could use a field stretch. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is way more than a field stretcher, but he would fit in some other, with some other teams, the chargers. I mean, he would fit with some teams that could potentially, you know, make Cleveland's road to the playoffs more difficult. And we haven't seen it. I mean, I'm wondering why we haven't seen him released yet. I mean, uh, and that could be why. That could be why. Anything else I, on Odell? Go ahead. I, I, I just, I understand that part of it, but I also, and again, I mentioned this today when me and Matt Fox talked about it on the round table. I, I truly believe in karma and all that stuff. I think you're setting up for really bad juju if you do that. Because again, I don't think Jarvis is a professional, right? Jar, Jarvis is not going to take any of this to heart. I think he's still going to go out there and play his ass off like he always does. But I guarantee you Odell has a ton of friends in that locker room. It's not just Jarvis. And I do think some people will look at that a little bit sideways, and I understand they'll probably, oh, well, it is a business. But you're just, in my opinion, hurting yourself a little bit by doing that. I get he could go to a team that you could end up playing. But you know what? It's going to make it even sweeter if you play that team and beat them with Odell on the other side of the field. Like, just do the right thing for you and your franchise. It it didn't work out. Just let him go. Let him go do his thing. You guys move forward. Because now you're going to get comp- – You're gonna, at all day today, Baker's press conference, it was nothing but Odell and his dad and what they said about him. I don't want to see that shit every week. We're fucking four and four. We were supposed to be a playoff team. I agree with Austin. He said, I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs this year. They have not been good. Move on. Stop. Stop with all the we're not the old Cle, we're not supposed to be the old Cleveland Browns anymore. Stop with the bullshit. Let him go. Let him go do his thing. You guys focus on you. Do your thing. Let's all just move on and be happy. All right. That's Matt what Matt right? is the is advocating for the, the million dollar, billion dollar uh, the, franchise to worry about karma. The uh, Browns fan yeah. meltdown this season has been extra good. Extra, extra, extra good. <laughs> wow. I've been telling people to stop because we are only eight games in. They have a chance to make the playoffs, but it's just – it happens. I mean, warms again, my heart. Everybody right. picked them um, to be Super Bowl contenders. So. Boys, we are looking towards 2022 and who are going to roster in Debbie and C2C leagues. And so the bulk of today's show, we're going to be talking about players that we want to have on more rosters next season. Um, I can start this off here. Uh, I'm going to start with Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen, the freshman running back, 
uh, for the Wisconsin Badgers. Why did why was Jalen Berger expendable? Because they had this hoss behind him, um, recruited as a safety, 6'2", 240. He's had an absolutely outstanding October with 20 carries, 12, 16, 18, and then uh, 104, 140, 108, uh, 131 yards rushing. Um, when Wisconsin identifies a running back that it likes, that's their running back. And just the way Jonathan Taylor started getting their, the carries his freshman season, here late uh, late on in this season, Braylon Allen is starting to get carries. Def- definitely not as explosive as Jonathan Taylor, but – I mean, this is how I felt about him. I traded a Debbie first-round pick for Braylon Allen. Um, I know that that 2022 freshman class is thought to be very exciting, but I feel confident about Allen. He's with a team that's going to feed him the rock. He has NFL size, and he may even be, later this year, he may even be an an asset to use in my starting lineup, Um, and he could develop into that next year. We saw how Sean Tucker went from – uh, you know, kind of okay freshman season, but but did have some positive games to breaking out his second season. Well, I think Braylon Allen's got better physical tools in a team that's built around his skill set. We know good and well they ain't going to throw the ball with Graham Mertz. So um, Braylon Allen is is someone I like. And like I said, in a, in a competitive league, I traded a Debbie first round pick for him. So uh, Braylon Allen, I think by the time we get to March, April, He's going to be a third, fourth round pick somewhere around there, uh, and and, and uh, people are going to be look, looking to build around him um, on their C2C rosters. I think he's a Debbie asset, not just a C2C asset. Guys, uh, Matt, give me your thoughts on that one or give me one of yours. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Alan. We talked uh, – when did we talk about him? I feel like it was forever ago. It was probably coast-to-coast with uh, Christian and um, Kevin, I believe. I just want to see it for one more year. Uh, I, I, But I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, they – I would argue Georgia's RBU, but Wisconsin has done a very good job of, of producing uh, running backs and, and getting them into the NFL. So if they really do think he's the next guy in line, I'm, I'm all in on, on him as well. I don't know that I really want him on a ton of my rosters, but I do think he can be really good. I, I worry, and I think this is going to come up in a lot of this discussion here tonight, how much some of these guys are going to cost. Like, let's just not, let's even ignore like trade value. Like if somebody already has him, what it would take to pry away, just like pure, like what I'm starting to kind of piece together ADP might look like as we roll into February, March, I feel like he's going to be like a top 48 pick. I don't think I want to spend that kind of, why not that kind of pick on him? (sighs) Why not? That's a really good question. I guess I, I would need to see the whole board of like the top 60 before I could definitively say that. I feel like there are players. Well, that's a good question. There are players in that range that I, I think are going to feel a little more secure for me. And I'm really big on like not because I know you're going to miss no matter what on some of these, but like right. p- trying to not miss and not necessarily swing for the fences in the first like five rounds. And he feels like kind of a Hail Mary. I, he didn't feel like a Hail Mary to me because of his size adjusted athleticism and then the the team that he's playing for. I mean, Wisconsin is built to run the ball with a player like this. I mean, that's why he's been getting so many carries um, the last couple of weeks. Again, 20, 12, 16, 18. This is a true freshman 
who I, is he supposed to be in high school, Austin? Yes. Is he, is, is, yeah, I mean, he, young young freshman who is absolutely carrying the load. Um, so I, I just I think that he's a and again he's averaging seven yards a carry. I mean, I know yard per carry average, but you think about the boxes that he has to be going up against, and he's just getting uh, chunk yards. He's got a seventy yard run, twenty eight yard run, thirty three yard run, twenty three yard run. So this is a big boy. Talk about six two two forty. So ideal size. Can he catch the ball? I don't know, but I mean. Debbie picks are dart throws anyway. I think that I have something pretty solid as far as a dart throw goes with Braylon Allen. All right, Austin, give me one of your guys who you are trying to have rostered more uh, in 2022. Is um is Graham Mertz not respected by defenses, you think? <laughs> I don't think so. No? Okay. I, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think so. Okay. It's Peyton Manning, but like last year Peyton Manning, not like earlier Peyton Manning, I think. Um, so actually, I, I tried to pick some weirder names out of here. And I think some of the most of the ones I tried to pick, I did pick a few that would just be like, I'll just kind of mention in passing it as kind of, you know, more C2C options. But how about Taj Brooks running back for Texas Tech is a guy that I think I'm going to end up with a lot in drafts next year for a couple of reasons, because I think he kind of hits some of the things I'm looking for. He started off the season really strong and then got a minor injury and hasn't really played since. So I think he's going to be off people's radars. There's uh, an opening there. Roderick Thompson, there's their other running back there is going to be gone, uh, who he was filling in for at the beginning of the year and, and did quite well. And Texas Tech hasn't performed overly, you know, amazingly as an offense this year. Um, so I think that they're going to kind of, be out of sight out of mind for people Taj Brooks is kind of almost everything you want in a running back he, he's got the size he's 5'10 220 he's got that perfect RB build he can catch passes pretty darn well I think and I one of the the just the things that jumped out to me when I watched him at first is anytime they put the ball in his hands he looks like he was just shot out of a damn cannon which I think is uh, a trait that I kind of like in running backs I man I don't want them to just recklessly run into the back of their linemen which but I don't, I don't think he does that i think he just he's decisive he sees the hole quickly and he's willing to hit it he's got really nice athletic ability uh, he, he's just a very well-rounded package i think he can put up really nice numbers next year at texas tech i think he can get drafted with some okay capital he's never he's never going to be a, a round one or probably even a round two guy but i think you can start talking about round three for him feels fair um so i i, I like him a lot and i think he's going to be off off the the draft board and in, in anything but deeper Debbie drafts and C2C, I don't think he goes to first 10 rounds. So that's like a golden guy that I'm just kind of circling on my lists that I'll probably have a lot of next year. I like him. I'm already on a couple of my teams, so I'm with you on that. Where do you I have him ranked, have Austin? Right now, like on my pure C2C rankings, I have him as RB functional work rb50 okay not far behind guys like brandon thomas jaquavius marks I mean, some some names that we know i have him in that range so all right matt give us one of yours yeah so i i went like the complete opposite way that you guys did um two of these guys will probably be talked about i don't know cj that, stroud uh, uh no mecca buka um i uh i don't think most of at least two of these guys are going to be talked about at all. You can probably get them fairly cheap. Uh, one of the guys I've already talked about, I mentioned him on Twitter recently, is Konata Mumfield, the wide receiver out of Akron, freshman. Uh, he is six foot one, 180, 
Um, and, and he's actually putting up some pretty decent stats for not being the number one there. 30% dominator rating. He's got right now he's sitting as a wide receiver 45 in total points. He's leading the NCAA last I checked in a uh, reception market share, a weighted dominator rating of 33%. Uh, I just think that he's a very good wide receiver that you're going to be able to get very late. And I think he's going to be able to put up some decent points in the coming years. So, I that's in all honesty how I kind of attacked this list. I guess I should have thought, you know, hey, the name of the show is Debbie Debate. We're probably attacking this from a Debbie angle. I attack this more from like a C2C angle. Uh, so, but, but he's a guy that I think you could get. I, I know he wasn't drafted in any C2Cs this year, and I bet he's probably going to be after round 30 or 40 in, in C2C drafts next year because I don't know anybody that's talking about him. Uh, and I think he could be a very interesting play, especially if he becomes the one there in, in Akron next year. No, I think it's fair. I mean, I didn't – Debbie, C2C, I mean, I like hearing names that um, guys haven't talked about before, and I think all of these guys are guys that we have not talked about on this show here. And I'll uh, I'll continue that trend here with um, this Wake Forest wide receiver, A.T. Perry. So um, at this point, everyone knows Jakari Roberson with Wake Forest. I mean, you're, if you have him, you're probably starting him. I think we thought it was going to be Donovan Green there, and he went down with the injury uh, early in the season or before the season started. Um, A.T. Perry is playing just as well as Jakari Roberson. Third-year sophomore, 6'5", 206 pounds, um, not just a jump ball guy. Not just a jump ball guy. He's a possession guy, but not just a jump ball guy. He's averaging 19 yards a catch. He has essentially just as many yards as Roberson on seven less catches and has two more touchdowns. I think moving forward, I want to be attached to Sam Hartman in C2C leagues. Give me Sam Hartman's guys, and he's throwing the ball deep to uh, A.T. Perry. A.T. Perry in the, his last three games has had seven catches for 116 yards, six catches for uh, for four, for 146 yards, three catches for 137 yards. I mean, and it, he is he is balling uh, with Sam Hartman, and you know maybe Sam Hartman spreads it out to Green and Roberson and Perry next year. But this is a C2C guy. This is a guy who's probably not rostered in your leagues it, unless they, he was picked up on waivers. Um, but even in waivers, you probably weren't prioritizing a guy like this in college fantasy. Someone who's going to be free or essentially free and could put up real stats for you. If you're starting Jakari, you can start both of these guys and be absolutely dominating uh, the college side of your C2C leagues. I mean, even this weekend, this weekend, Wake Forest plays North Carolina last week, last year, that game was absolutely crazy. So look out for A.T. Perry uh, to, to, to ball out and consider taking him. You know, in, if you're in a supplemental draft, take him with your 14, 15 pick. If you're in a startup draft, take him after round 40, get him, draft this guy, and then put him in your starting lineup. So I like A.T. Perry, and plus he's got the size and he's got athleticism. So I like those big guys. All right, who you got, Austin? So just did you hear that thing about the UNC Wake Forest game this weekend is is, an, is considered a non-conference game? Yeah, because they, they scheduled it as a, a home and home thing. So it doesn't count. So even if Wake Forest loses to North Carolina this week, they're still undefeated in conference, which means they'll get a chance to go to the ACC and play for a championship, even though yeah, North Carolina yeah. is clearly in their conference. Yeah. They scheduled it like six years ago. Yeah, just yeah, weird. I, I saw that today. I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, so let's. Um, I I wrote down like ten names. I'm not like so. I'm gonna group a couple of them together here. 
I have an Ohio State duo and an LSU duo that are all true freshmen that I just think have been, again, out of sight, out of mind for most of the year. Marvin Harrison is going to still be a big name going into the offseason, but I think I'm still going to be attacking him pretty hard. His teammate Evan Pryor is a guy that I really want a lot, though, a guy that was a top five running back for me just purely before, like I rank all these guys before they even go into spring. And then I started adjusting based on what depth charts looking like, like, who's making noise who blew out their knee like i i started adjusting these things uh based on all that and evan Pryor going into spring last year was my rb4 in the class he was a really good player i just said you know it sucks that he's stuck behind travion henderson and whoever the hell else they have there but master teague has proven to be nothing like it wouldn't shock me if mayan williams leaves just to go get his own job somewhere else felix and i talking about this a couple weeks ago and he said cincinnati where he's from i think that would be like a match made in heaven if jerome ford leaves so i think there's a scenario where either evan Pryor is the rb2 there which is great for his value or it doesn't happen and he probably leaves and i think that's great for his value because i think by the time this offseason rolls around he'll be like 205 ish uh, he's already getting close to there. He's an all-purpose back, very good pass catcher. Flashed a little bit uh, in not their Penn State game, the game before that, uh, Indiana, I believe it was, uh, and looked pretty solid. Um, so he's a guy that I think I'm targeting quite heavily. And then the wide receiver duo at LSU of Deion Smith and Chris Hilton are just two guys that you know have been banged up a little bit, haven't been playing a ton, and obviously that whole situation is in flux. But LSU does not bring in a ton of big wide receiver names in this upcoming class, at least from what I've seen, unless some guys flip here late. Um, and they're just both really good players. Like I, I really like Deion Smith. I really like Chris Hilton. I think they're both like stylistically fit really well together out there. Um, I And I think, again, they're going to be cheap because they're not playing right now, or at least cheaper than they should be. Like I, I don't think they're significantly worse than... Uh, this is going to be such a fucking hot take. I don't think they're like significantly worse than Xavier Worthy, for instance, who's been great this year for Texas. Xavier Worthy is going to go round one, round two, and you can get these guys in like round six, round seven. And I think there's a chance that they put up similar production as he does over the next couple of years. Felix, you're muted. I was just, I, I said I like it, and I was just tossing it to Matt. Matt, who's your next guy? Uh, so this guy has been talked about, I, I, I know at least once on here. I don't think more than that uh, by me. Uh, he's sit, currently sitting top 10 in yards at the running back position. He is top 20 in yards for 10 plus yards. He is top 15 in <clears throat> yards for more than 15 uh, yards a run. And he is also top 15, or I'm sorry, top f- uh, 10 in misforced tackles. He is also top, I was just trying to look at it right here, top 20 in receiving yards for a running back as well. So Sheen Ali out of Marshall. Wow. I really, I guess. who are you going to guess? It kind of sounded like you were describing Keaton Mitchell. Oh, no, I thought about putting like him on runs, here though too. Long runs, Yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought about putting him on here too, but I didn't. Yeah, I, I thought about Mitchell, but then I, I kind of, I, I went Ali because I know I've talked a little bit about him before. I think Moxley was like the very first person who talked about him. He brought him up. I looked at, I think this kid is really good. Um, you know, we talked a lot about him recently on the tailgate. The uh, fact that we think he might even have some NFL upside. I think he's got at least two years of really high college and production, which means I think he could be a Debbie asset as well. Because uh, I think Marshall's going to lean on him a lot like they have this year. And the fact that he, hey, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. 
And the fact that he can do it as good in the receiving game and he does special team stuff. Now, granted, his special teams touchdown was a little bit of a trick play, but still, he's used all over the field. Uh, I think Ali is going to be a really good player and a guy that not a lot of people are talking about that I, I would love to have on as many rosters as I can going into 2022. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the top uh, CFF guys right now, but do you think he could be an NFL guy? I do, yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it until Austin and Moxley both said they that they did. I I try to be a little bit hesitant when it comes to that stuff, but both of them said they think so. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. I get. I like my guys, and so I tend to go a little overboard sometimes. So I'm trying to rein myself in a little bit. He, he's one of the guys that I wish that you know. In, in a lot of these C2C leagues, you either have no claims or like two, and he's just not a guy. Like you got two claims, you can't prioritize everybody. And I just I wish I had him in other spots um my next guy is uh jelani woods jelani woods is uh the tight end quote unquote tight end there at uh, virginia playing with uh, brennan armstrong that offense is putting up a lot of points and jelani woods has a lot to do with it the transfer from oklahoma state there are only two games where he has not scored um <laughs> where he has not scored putting up a very productive uh, tight end season now he is an older prospect spent three years at oklahoma state this is his first year at virginia if he does not come out he could be a, a cheat code uh at tight end i think he's six seven two seventy five he is what we want darnell washington to be what people want darnell washington to be he is uh he is uh just i just added him in a c2c league because i needed a tight end there are, it seems like more than so than last year, there are some tight ends who are putting up, you know, really dominant numbers from uh, Michael. I mean, Michael Mayer's one, that that tight end from, is it from Rice, who was playing running back and wide, who had all the eligibility, Myers, uh, Jelani Woods. But Jelani Woods might be an NFL tight end. He might be an NFL tight end. So uh, if he stays one more year, he's going to be somebody I'm gravitating towards. And if he just makes the jump, to the NFL and it is drafted in the fourth, fifth round somewhere. He's going to be somebody that I take just like Tommy Tremble last year. Somebody that I gravitate towards, put him on a uh, NFL roster at six, seven, two seventy five. He has the size to be a red zone guy, but you see him at Virginia. He's doing more than that. I wish that he would have started at Virginia uh, to be used in that offense, but he's putting up a very good season and he could potentially make the jump to the NFL or he could be used on the college side of your C2Cs next year. That dude sounds like they're going to turn him into a left tackle a la Jason Peters or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if he, uh, yeah, it it's could. too bad because he catches like almost too well to try to that experiment. Yeah. Like as soon as he goes into the NFL, it might be too late if uh, the first one doesn't work out for him. Um, yeah. How about, so here's, here's a name that actually I've been like all week. I, I've been like at stash time in my C2Cs. If I have leagues that have like unlimited waiver claims, like I'm starting to clear out my bench of guys that I'm never going to use anymore stashing all these guys and i went through a bunch of them this week and i have this guy on all my watch list and i was like i think i can wait like one or two more weeks till i pick this guy up and of course he's going absolutely bonkers tonight with like 250 yards and three touchdowns trayvon rudolph a freshman wide receiver at niu um he's gonna be probably the main guy there next year they uh, tyrese richie is their main guy this year i believe he's a senior and i know the eligibility is weird right now so we like I mean, he might have another year. I, I honestly don't um, know. But uh, but Rudolph, I mean, he was a freshman All-American last year, and that year didn't count for him. 
And this year he, he's 5'10, 182. So he's not like this super, you know, crazy athletic guy, but he can contribute on special teams. He's got pretty nice hands. He works deep. I think he can do some underneath stuff as well. He's never going to be, you know, a day one, probably even day two pick, but he's just a guy that I think can get drafted and is going to put up big numbers there in the Mac. So I think he's a guy that I am going like the core, how Corey Rucker was this year, maybe for teams. I think that's how we should view this kid going into this, this season this is why i love doing this show because you stumped me with that i have not heard that name before um and yeah he did have an excellent freshman season um so yes a player that uh i'm gonna go look up and look look and see if i can find some of his tape all right matt bruning um travion rudolph that's a that's an excellent pull there austin all right go ahead uh go ahead matt all right, so I'm going to stick in the Mac and talk about a player that I tweeted about recently, and that is true freshman running back Carson Steele out of Ball State. He is getting um, a little bit more carries than Will Jones, but he is splitting the backfield with him. Uh, 6'1", 215, so he's got decent size. I think he's got pretty decent speed as well. And he's sitting top 30 in everything that I care about, and that's misforced tackles. 10 runs over 10 yards, runs over 15 yards. And again, while splitting carries, he has less carries than a guy like Chase Brown at Illinois, who is, he has 111 carries on the season altogether right now. Uh, and it's because he's splitting time with Will Jones. You also have Drew Plitt there as well, quarterback who runs a lot. I think with Plitt, who I believe is a <coughs> excuse me senior, who will be gone, as will Will Jones, Carson Steele, I think, is going to get a ton of the work next year. He doesn't do a lot in the receiving game, so you are going to have to rely on him doing a lot of that on the ground. But I think he is a very good running back. 3% rostered on fan tracks right now as well, so nobody is rostering this guy. Nobody's talking about him. With him getting likely the full slate of that offense next year, with as good as he is, I think he could be a top 30-ish scoring running back and a guy that literally like nobody has and nobody has talked about. I, I think he's going to be a guy... This time next year, we're going to be talking about maybe maybe not an NFL future, but as a CFF guy who's who's putting up a lot of points, like, like a Rasheen Ali this season. Yeah, um, this is why you come to the Debbie debate is to get these names. I mean, you guys are dropping some gems here. Um, coming back to me now, we did this segment uh, last season around this time. We call them 2022 breakouts. And I think one of the first names I mentioned was Jay Sean Corbin, the, the Texas A&M transfer to Florida State. Um, and he has broken out this season. He can make the jump to the NFL and be, you know, a day, late day two, early day three pick, especially in a uh, weaker running back class. I think that his backup is very good, Trayshawn Ward. Now, a lot of people know the name Lawrence Tourfeely, uh, who was the, you know, they had a very good freshman season. Ward has surpassed to a feely on the depth chart and he at, and he's a smaller player but he's had some explosive runs this season and he adds the pass catching dynamic i think he has 14 catches which is a lot in a reserve role which is a lot in a reserve role if jay sean corbin makes the jump to the nfl then ward could take over the starting role and he possesses an all-purpose skill set um let's see he's He's only had a high of 12 carries this year and then and then 10 after that, but he's averaging 7.1 yards a, a carry. He has, he's had runs of 60, 65, 22, 21, uh, 23 yards. And just, you know, again, this is a guy who's been used in, in a reserved role. Florida State is going through changes, and I just think that 
I, all of us have identified players that you could take in the 40th round of C2Cs. This is absolutely one. And because he has that pass catching skill set, you may be able to draft him and then he becomes a centerpiece or a large part of that Florida State offense next year. And he could be a starter for you. I like Treshawn Ward. We don't even have him available to rank uh, at campusdecant.com. And he's, again, he's surpassed uh, Lawrence Tuafili, who we do have available to rank. And I'm not sure why Austin is playing defense on me being able to uh, to get Ward in the rankings, but I won't bring that up on our show today. So, have you have All you right. checked your ranking sheet recently, Felix? Did you do it in the last in the last hour or so? Okay. You asked I'll me two it. hours ago. When did you want me to do it? <laughs> in preparation of today's, show. I'm sitting here trying to watch these freshmen, these incoming freshmen. I feel like, can you add this guy? Can you add this guy? I'm three weeks behind on this chat. Can you add this guy for me? Just trying to do That's stuff true. over Three's here. Five. All right, Austin, give us another one of your guys. How about Tavion Thomas? I think is somebody that yeah. I just don't really hear people talking enough about. You always really want the Utah RB1, at least for like college fantasy purposes. That's a guy that's been pretty darn um, productive over the past few years. Unfortunately, it would have been Ty Jordan, uh, but we know, unfortunately, um, the, his passing this past offseason left it wide open. There were a lot of candidates. It was kind of like Oklahoma State's backfield. We're like, whoever gets this backfield is going to be great. We just have no effing clue who it was. It ended up being Jalen Warren. And so we said the same thing with Utah. They had TJ Pledger there, Chris Curry, uh, Micah Bernard. They brought in Ricky Parks as a true freshman. And then kind of lost in the shuffle was Tavion Thomas, who started as a freshman in 2018 at Cincinnati and was there for two years, ultimately left to JUCO. You know, well, I thought we would never hear from him again. Resurfaces this year and took that job. He, he had it week one. They played Weber State. He went 12 for 107 and two. Week two, he fumbled. I think it was his second fumble of the year. He might have gotten the first one back and the second one he lost. Coaches benched him for a couple weeks. He had seven carries that week that he fumbled against BYU, then one carry each of the next two games. I think the you know, coaching staff said, you know, we want you back out there, but you got to fix this problem. It seemingly he has the past four weeks. 16 for 113 and 1, 20 for 84 and 1, 21 for 74 and 2, and 24 for 160 and four touchdowns. He is got NFC, he's six foot to 20. I don't know if he will ever really touch the NFL, but he's just a guy that I like and he has more eligibility. Uh, so I think, you know, if he stays at Utah, there's nobody like he will be the guy day one next year. There is no debate about it. Utah's not going to switch that guy. So I, I would feel fairly comfortable. Um, uh, projecting him to do that. I think, again, he's going to be another guy. You get in round, you know, 10, 15, 20, like that range. There were, be, there were a lot money. of names in that in that Utah backfield, and yeah. one has finally emerged as kind of a guy. Matt Burning, anybody else that you want to identify before we close it out here? We'll give you the last word on a, a guy. Oh, man, I've got three guys. I've got to limit this to Bunch one. Bunch them all, all together. Right. I'll, uh, together. Yeah, good. I'll just do, do one guy really quick and then group the last two because they're both quarterbacks. Uh, Luke Grimm, wide receiver out of Kansas, sophomore. Or I, I may He may be a redshirt freshman. I don't really know how any of that stuff works. Uh, but he had a good season last year as a freshman for Kansas. Uh, came in over Jarek's little magic line uh, on the Dominator rating. I was trying to pull up some of his other stuff, but I'll just kind of skip forward to my next two. But look out for him. He, he's a really good player. Uh, mostly plays in the slot, though. He's six foot 188. I think he really could be good for Kansas. The other two, I, I've got to go back to my roots a little bit here, right? Like, it wouldn't be a Debbie debate show if I didn't in some way talk about Ohio State. But I'm going to group two guys together. Kyle McCord and Drew Aller. 
Like, I know it's 2022, but Drew Waller is going to be a freshman. I want to have him on as many teams as I can next year. I think he could be a Debbie asset as well next year, depending on how deep your Debbie drafts are. And then same thing, in all honesty, with Kyle McCord. Me and Colin talked a lot about him yesterday when he came on the Debbie wire with me and we talked quarterbacks. I still believe he's got a ton of NFL upside. He's going to transfer somewhere next year. I don't know that people would be willing to get rid of him. A lot of people still want to hold him. I honestly only have him on one of my 16 C2C rosters, but if I could get him this offseason, I don't care where he goes. I really do think he's going to have an amazing season next year. So those two quarterbacks are guys that I would target heavily next offseason to try and get. And McCord is actually relatively cheap right now, guys. Just toss it like I. So I we're we're in the program together. Except for I, Proton, who will not I, give them to me. I was trying to upgrade like my starters, and I was floating McCord out there, and people didn't want him. So hey, I don't know Austin. what the hell was going on there. I was never. You were never going to give me what I wanted. Um, what do you want? Well, you're trying to win. It's a whole other discussion for a whole other thing. But so I think he's cheaper than people think he is. I think he's kind of already forgotten, which is unfortunate. Fortunate if you're buying. Dak Nipple, which is a phenomenal name to begin with. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I'm going to throw out one more name out here. Um, Tyler, Tyler Algier, I think, is going to make the jump to the NFL. Lapini Katoa is kind of the lightning to his thunder. Jackson McChesney. Jackson McChesney is a deep name who I think almost broke the freshman rushing record at BYU, had been injured and is healthy, but is is buried on that depth chart. If we want to get some RB1 production coming out of nowhere, it could be Jackson McChesney. And you know how those BYU players are. Uh, he's taking a mission too. He could, could be, you know, physically developed, essentially an adult, but he's a good player with an all-purpose skill set, has prototypical size. So I like me some Jackson McChesney. But that is going to be our show for tonight. Of course, catch all of the Campus to Canton content around. Catch the Campus to Canton podcast channel. Our apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We went too long with talking about these guys who we want to get in 2022. And Matt and Austin went too long on that boring college football playoff conversation. So apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Rimbo caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill 
Martin just in front of his end zone has a man out there. It is Rager, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Ninety-three yards for the freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.